0: Hello, welcome to Tales from the Aubrey, a podcast by the Scranton Public Library. My name is Alyssa and I work in the reference department. And our guest today is Jess again. She's back to help us discuss why Scranton has the nickname of the electric city. So we all know Scranton's called the Electric City. Mm -hmm. It was popularized by the office and signs and just general living in Scranton, you hear it around. Mm -hmm. Do you have any ideas?
1: I'm thinking it's gotta be tied to coal. I could be totally wrong. (laughs) See, I can tell by the the look on your face, you're like, just no.
0: Not quite. Um, So the most common explanation is the trolleys. Because they were electric trolleys. And I'm going to get into the history of them. But I also found an interesting tidbit on, I believe it was the Visit NEPA website, that claimed it was because Scranton was an early adopter of electric lights. Oh, okay. So I'm also going to go into that. Okay. As a disclaimer, I do not fully understand how electricity works. I know that it has to do with magnets rotating and then different charges with particles being sent through wire, but I don't completely understand it so you'll have to bear with me when it gets to the technical parts. Got it. So this all kind of started when I was researching the history of the Nancy K. Holmes Library. Sturgis at that time was a major funder of the Greenridge Library when it first was established and personally funded an entire year of its operation. So I was looking very heavily at him with that history. And in his obituary, it stated, As a result, he brought to the city the distinction of having the first street railway in the United States built for electric power, notwithstanding claims made by other localities, and Scranton became famous as the Electric City. And this quote gave me the idea to look deeper into Scranton's iconic nickname. So, this is kind of where the technical side of electricity in its early days comes in. So, I want to start with an overview of it. Because in the early 1880s, when all of this was happening, electricity was still in its very early days. Thomas Edison had developed his incandescent light bulb in 1872 and wouldn't receive the patent for it until January of 1880. The first electric power system to distribute energy was from Pearl Street in New York City, and that wouldn't be built until 1882. By contrast, the electricity distributed today, which is AC current, wouldn't be developed until 1886, and the transmission of it wouldn't be accomplished until 1891. During these first years, people were extremely hesitant about electricity because it was often dangerous and used exposed copper wires. This led to fires and electric shocks for people who lived in residences that had electricity because the wires weren't grounded. Modern electric wiring is grounded and it's much safer, but that wouldn't come about until the 1960s. Oh, wow. So it was quite late. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So taking all of this into consideration, Scranton was an extremely early adopter of electricity, which led to it being called the Electric City. In May of 1878, the Scranton Republican published an article about electric lights being installed at the Chicago Waterworks. This article goes on to state, Scranton is very favorably located for such a cheap system, and our authorities ought to look into it at once. Now, this is 1878, so this is two years before Edison got the patent for the light bulb, extremely early. Yeah. It doesn't seem like Scranton went through with this or had any plans to install electric lights in the city, but it did help develop an electric fire alarm system and telegram systems that all ran on electricity. There was also this fun article I found about a circus that set up in Dunmore. I know this is kind of off the wall, but it's... The article stated that the circus was to be lit by a $50,000 electric light, which eclipses the noonday sun. The performance was canceled, though, because some boys cut the ropes and the tent fell on the spectators and artists. So they just canceled it. Oh. <laughs> and like I said, both of these events were before the patent of the light bulb was granted. Wow. So that's early. Yes. Bit yeah. Very early. <laughs> As I mentioned, the electric city nickname applied to Scranton because most sources seem to point to the electric railways or trolleys, but it may have come about earlier than this. In the Visit NEPA website, the nickname came about after electric lights were installed in the Dixon Manufacturing Company in 1880, so the same year as the patent. Oh, okay. During this year, the Dixon Locomotive Works began using electric lights, followed shortly by Scranton steel mills. So it was the Dixon family, the Scrantons, everyone that was the who's who, Mm -hmm. as we kind of talked about last week with Joseph Albright. Then 1883 was a big year for electricity here in Scranton. On February 14, 1883, the Scranton Republican reported that the electric lights burned brilliantly every night in the new machine shop of the Dixon Manufacturing Company. Soon after in May, a memorial fair was held at the Armory that advertised electric lights as part of the attraction in addition to the celebration of patriotism and liberty. Items displayed included paintings, a quilt, fire screens, and crayon drawings. It was also during this year that W.W. W. Scranton, who was the head of the Scranton Gas and Water Company, built the first electric power plant along the Lackawanna River before it was regulated by the passing of the People's Electric Light and Power Company Ordinance by the city.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: So they were very... Yeah. Well, we always kind of knew that they were very into modern innovations with all of the coal and railways, mm-hmm. but the fact that they were also in electricity... yeah is huge yes soon railways began to see the value of having electric lights and the delaware Lackawanna, and western railroad began to lay their station grounds and train yards using them in march of 1884. this is where the trolleys start to come in okay within a few years the scranton Suburban railway company was created in May of 1886, they petitioned the city to establish a street railway from Greenridge to Forest Hill Cemetery. It would start at the corner of Franklin and Lackawanna Avenue, run along Franklin to Spruce, then from Spruce to Adams, then from Adams to Gibson Street, before connecting to the Dunmore Line. The petition stated that electricity was to power the street railway rather than horses or mules. This was the beginning of the electric trolley system.
1: So that was the beginning of trolleys here in Scranton then. Yes. So did trolleys then become the main form of transportation for many people? Yes, especially for the working people. The working class? Yes. So how like how long did it take for the trolley system
0: to really be popular here? I have I found an account of the first trip. Okay. So it seemed like it was pretty instant. Oh, okay. Because it was quick you yeah. could just hop on and then go.
1: So no one was too worried about things catching fire. I mean, I'm sure they were. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, the patent was in use and yeah.
0: Yeah, and okay. it was a new fun modern convenience. Yeah. So going from horses to right. a car where you could just hop on. Yeah. I believe I go into it later, but I'm pretty sure that it was it cost 5 cents to ride. Oh, wow. So then you can kind of zip through the city and go to where you need to go. That's really cool. So in other parts of the country, there were electric streetcars being developed. Most notably, the Vanderpool Electric Manufacturing Company developed similar systems in Montgomery, Alabama, South Bend, Indiana, and Toronto, Canada. Electricity would flow through a copper wire suspended 25 feet above the ground that would power the car, which then could be controlled by a conductor who would be able to start and stop the car using brakes. They would have an average speed of 15 miles per hour, so incredibly faster than a typical horse and carriage. Yeah. The streetcars themselves would be developed by a Pullman Car Company, and the entire project of building the road was thought to take a few months once everything was sorted out and arrangements made. Mm -hmm. So by the time they petitioned the city... They were like, we'll have this done in a couple months. It'll be wow. good. <laughs> wow. That's fast. <laughs> Very fast. May of 86 was when they petitioned. So by November, the electric streetcars were being shipped from the Pullman Car Works. And on November 29, 1886, the cars and lines were sufficient enough for a trial trip. The report in the Scranton Republican described how a large crowd had gathered to witness the event. Because it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. You had something that didn't use animals, and you just... Moved. Yeah. So it was a cool new thing. (laughs) George Sanderson, who we know donated the land to build the Nancy K. Holmes Library, was the first person to pay the five cents fare. The cars had enough space to seat 13 people, and each seat had a velvet-like fabric that covered the cushion, and the interior was decorated with mahogany. So it was Ooh, fancy. This is nice.
1: I'm going to go for a ride now.
0: You know, right? In the article, it states that after five minutes, the six Edison incandescent lights lit up the car to a degree dazzling to the eyes of most of the passengers. In regards to the actual trip, it was reported that the start was easy without the slightest jerk and movement of the car as rapid as it is judicious to run a crowded thoroughfare. The sharp turn at the corner of Franklin Avenue and Spruce Street was passed safely. The details of the route and the speed at which it traveled were also given. This trial trip did have a few issues, though, as every trial does. The electric wires caused problems with telephone wires, and a short circuit cut the second trip short, so it's trip back. Oh, no. Both of these were worked out, and the new street trolleys were fully operational by December 1st of 1886, with set schedules, and they would carry about 2,100 passengers. Wow, that's a lot. So you figure May to December, that's... That's not a lot of time. Seven months? Yeah. To develop this... an entire system and install it. That, that's amazing. And then you were asking about who would ride the yes. trolley. In a letter to the editor, Cora Decker... Who we all know is one of the first librarians. Yeah, she wrote a letter to the editor regarding the librarians riding the electric trolley lines on November seventeenth, nineteen twenty-eight. So this is quite later than the time period I was talking about with this establishment, but it's Cordecker. Yeah. So I have to. Oh yeah. So
1: so the librarians took the trolley.
0: Yes. Oh, that's awesome. She states, "We from the Scranton Public Library." Use trolley cars all the time. City employees of small salaries who pay their own car fares and do not use autos. It is hard enough to walk to Linden and Washington Avenues to get our various cars for the Hill or NAOG sections Mm -hmm. after a full day of service to our public, or afternoon and evening duty. To go to Lackawanna Avenue is dreadful. I trust rerouting will be done in a more convenient way. So it seems like lines were being changed and issues with service were happening and needing repair but other than that the electric trolley system in scranton would operate continuously until 1945 that's a long time it is
1: a long time yeah wow so i just thought that was fun kind of similar when you think about bus routes Mm -hmm. you know how they change how they have to maybe divert a different way and um it's interesting that even back then, you know, she'd write that letter to the editor saying, hey, let's get our pathway fixed here so we can get to
0: the library on time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what counts. And it shows, too, how the librarians kind of lived across the city. Yeah. Even then. Exactly. The nickname of the Electric City would develop sometime between December of 1886 and December 23rd of 1888. On that day, an article was published in the Scranton Republican... That reads, this is called the Electric City. Well, electricity does run a good deal of it. We ride by electricity. We are fanned by it. Outdoor bells are rung by it. Our fire alarms are given by it. Our messages are sent by it. It is to be hoped that we won't die by it. Nobody has been killed yet. So this article is extremely interesting. Yeah. Because it also highlights the fears. Yeah. Of electricity. Yeah, that kind of that kind of escalated a little quickly there. It and did. I like, Whoa. And it gives a nice perspective for how everyday people felt about electricity during the late 1800s mm-hmm. and how there was still a lot of concern. Yeah. Yeah, I know when electricity was first installed in the White House, it was during the Harrison administration, and they were terrified to turn on the lights or turn off the lights or touch any switches, so they just wouldn't. Oh, no. <laughs> so I feel like it, that has the same... Yeah, feel. ...feel. And then this article continues. So it expresses concern about rotting poles, rusting and corroding wires, and highlights how unstable electricity kind of was at the time. Mm -hmm. It calls for more experiments to gain knowledge of it being safe because it is a, quote, new force where we don't know what it may do the next minute. The author of this article also asserted that Scranton is spoken of of the electric city. I hope it may not have reason to regret its electric push. And that when we learn all of the electric tricks, we will feel slight easier.
1: Well, we should feel much better now. Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Especially since electricity controls so much of our lives now. Oh, yeah.
1: Absolutely. I mean, everything looking in the room around us, the microphone we're using, the computer we're using, the lights that are on. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And think about when we have a storm and the electricity goes out for a few hours or a day and you just kind of have no idea what to do. Yeah,
1: we're like, (laughs) wait, we got to get the candles out. Like,
0: wait a minute, we got to get the candles out. Uh, We can't open the refrigerator. Yep, don't open that. And going from there, I wanted to discuss the Electric City sign. Mm -hmm. Because it's an iconic image of Scranton. Before the Electric City sign, there was an original sign on top of the Board of Trade. It read, Watch Scranton Grow. Duncan Campbell, who worked in marketing for the Scranton Electric Company, was the major push behind the sign. The 55-foot sign made of electric lights in the shape of a water fountain with the words watch, grant, and grow was illuminated on December 24th of 1909. This phrase was chosen due to the Board of Trade's will to promote the city's population and industrial growth around that time. Yeah. So that was a heyday of yeah. coal and trains. And... There's the coal that I was talking yeah. About
1: <laughs> yeah. Coal, trains, electricity, trolleys. Wow. Everything.
0: Everything. By 1916, the sign needed to be replaced. It had grown old, and it would be easier to replace than repair it, and cheaper for the city as well. The new sign, which read Scranton the Electric City, was illuminated with 3,500 lights, and it replaced the Watch Scranton Grove sign. It was built by the Century Sign Company of Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, and it was the largest electric sign in northeastern Pennsylvania at the time it was first installed. It was 60 feet high 48 feet wide the sign was lit until the late 1970s then in 2004 the sign was restored and turned back on it is currently located on what today is known as the scranton electric building on Linden street the light bulbs were replaced with led lights in 2014 but the appearance and effect is the same as it was in 1916. that's amazing and you can really see it yeah from anywhere. You're like, oh, there's a sign. Yeah.
1: And it's just so interesting when you talk about how LED lights replace the old bulbs and how electricity still continues to evolve, Mm -hmm. you know, with LEDs and and different lights that that they're creating that are energy saving now. It's really interesting. Well, do you have any questions or thoughts or anything at all? That's all I have. (laughs) I just think it's so interesting when when we look at that one sign and how you said it was the biggest sign at that time created. And I think about the different light shows that we have across our city. In in Northeast PA, we have the Naog light show Mm -hmm. at Christmas time, and it's like all those lights. You know what I mean? We kind of just expect it now. It's like, let's get bigger and better every year. And at that time, that was the biggest and the best.
0: There was another article, which I also didn't use, um, in one of the newspapers that this woman her children kept being like you have to go see the sign so the sign was a tourist attraction yeah. almost as it is still today for it different is. reasons oh yeah but then it was like you have to go see the electric lights they're so cool yeah and now we have where you go through NAOG at mm-hmm. christmas time to see the lights and, and then the times tower even accurate
1: yep. yeah like it's really but that was the first that, it that was. was the first to start it that's really cool Well, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. I learned a lot.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I learned so much while researching this episode. Yeah. Um, I had no
1: idea. Yeah. I, I truly, you know, I never really sat down to really think about
0: why we're called this. This concludes our episode for this week. Next week, we are starting our series of Meet the Staff interviews, so these will be discussions about who the staff are and what the day in their life looks like, to try and give you a glimpse into what it's like to work in the library system. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or anything at all, please email me at aloney at albright.org. That is A-L-O-N-E-Y at albright.org. You can also feel free to call the library at 570-348-3000. Thank you.